Hi, everybody, and welcome to Redeemed Through His Blood. In this podcast, we discuss hope, healing, and redemption through the atonement of Jesus Christ. I'm Scott Durfee, and I, it's my pleasure to introduce my partner in this project, our teacher, Brother David Durfee. Good to be here. Thank you, Scott. Yeah, it's good to have you, Dave. Uh, great week this week. Uh, we uh, just released a podcast from last week that we recorded with uh, Brother Scott Harmon, an uh, interview with Scott Harmon, and that was a great one. We'll re- reference that one here again in just a few minutes. But before we do that, I just want to thank everybody for your emails. We've received some great emails recently, and we're doing our best to get to your questions and to incorporate them in our discussion. So keep those coming. We can receive those at us at gmail.com. Uh, us at gmail.com. So, uh, Dave, like I said last week, it was a great experience to have yet another interview uh, with us. We had Brother Scott Harmon. Scott had spent, I think he said, seven years, right? Seven years in the Utah State Penitentiary for... Mm-hmm. Uh, for some things to pay back a debt to society. We had prior to him, a few weeks prior to that, we had Brother Nate Muller, and man, that was an amazing uh, interview as well. Two yes. great men, a lot of great things came from that. Uh, yes, for they, sure. They had a few things in common, right, Dave? Yeah. You know, I've been thinking about uh, those interviews quite a bit, and it's both of them have blessed my life. I've... Uh, this past week, since we did Scott most recently, I've been thinking about hard concrete prison floors and about how so many uh, fall down on those hard concrete prison floors. Scott happened to be in solitary confinement and and cry out to God. And you know, Scott, um, as I've thought about that this past week, I thought, you know, it doesn't matter if it's a concrete floor in a prison in solitary confinement or if it's in a, a closet or a wood floor or next to my bed on a carpet floor or wherever it may be in the mountains on a dirt floor or wherever it may be, you know, ultimately, Scott, uh, this whole process of redemption and repentance and uh, a relationship with Jesus Christ and with our Heavenly Father comes down to crying out to him and uh, confessing our inabilities, our loneliness, our inadequacies and uh, and uh, just really offering our, our souls up to him. And so I, that's, that's uh, I think, the part that really affected me and uh, whether it was uh, Scott or Nate Nate I think did it in a car or you know in in his crying out doesn't matter where you are or what your circumstances may be or uh, we all need to do that prophets do that when they pray they cry out Uh, we all need to cry out and whenever I say those words I always think of uh, uh, the brother of Jared crying out. I think of uh, Enos crying out. I think of Amulek in, in uh, Alma 34 who says, Cry out day, in the morning. Cry out in the noon. Cry out in the evening. Cry out in your fields. Cry out in your closet. Cry out, cry out, cry out. And 
and uh, Nate and Scott uh, were, I think, just great examples of that. And I hope that our listeners and and you and me that we all uh, are crying out to God on, on a regular basis, and it, it's never a one-time thing. Uh, I I tried this morning to cry out to my heavenly Father, and some some days it's more effective than others. Yeah, I think that depends a lot of times on where we are. I think the uh, necessity of crying out was precipitated, uh, you know, for Scott and Nate, for example, out of some extreme circumstances and. It's not always necessary, though, that we go through those extreme circumstances to facilitate and precipitate a crying out. I mean, I've had those extreme experiences. I've, I've done that crying out as well, and it has been on multiple occasions, you know, sometimes on a dirt floor up above Timpanooki, uh, right here behind Timpanogos Mountain as my horse is tied to a tree, or sometimes in a barn uh, where the hay's been building up for 50 years, the same one that you helped build as a teenager, yeah, I think. Yeah, I, I, I painted that, <laughs> I tra- stained that. The first time. It's been painted <laughs> multiple times I'm since sure. then. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and, you know, and a myriad of other places, you know. I've, I've had my crying out, uh, you know, where there were um, federal officials and the cement floor and those types of things as well. So I, I, I think that that's important, though, that we note that, that it doesn't need to come out of extremity. We don't need that crying out to be because we have been beaten bloody. We can cry out when things are just not quite right, too. Yeah. And um, in the future, we, we look forward to having other uh, individuals uh, join us on the podcast um, I look forward to those, those interviews and some of them will be, uh, in their extremities. They'll talk about their extremities and sometimes it'll just maybe be, uh, members of the church who haven't, uh, had to go through some of those, uh, difficult, uh, dramatic experiences, yeah. but have just, uh, daily. I, I think you and I were talking a little bit this morning before we started this episode and, uh, you know, if you cry out one time and have the miraculous event that that I think Scott had in solitary confinement, or you may cry out in your bedroom, kneeling at your bed for dozens of times, and and it can be just as effective. Uh, whatever it takes, but the bottom line, I guess, is, Scott, is that we all need to come to a point in our life where we know we are heavenly father's children that he is our father that he loves us that he's not mad at us that he knew we would sin he's not shocked or surprised or angry that he wants to help us and we cry out to him expressing our our broken heart contrite spirit and and pleading for his help and thanking him in the depths of our soul for the plan of redemption and his son and for the shedding of his blood. I, I mean, those are the just the elementary, common elements of Scott and Nate and you and me and all of us that we have to experience to, to really uh, experience redemption yeah. through his blood. Yeah, 
Yep, absolutely. There's no question. You know, we had some great patterns uh, and some great teachers of that throughout Scripture. We've seen it uh, beginning back as early as Adam and Eve and all through, all through from the beginning of time until up until and in, in including now. And, uh, you know, I, I, and it's our invitation. If you're not crying out, as our listeners, uh, find reason and find occasion and make that uh, occasion and experience that. Because, you know, as we talk about putting on the atonement of Jesus Christ, which is the, uh, the really the principal purpose behind this podcast is to help us to all come unto him more fully. But uh, in order for us to do that, that's really an important component and element of that experience, Dave. Yeah. Hey, one one other, did you have something else you wanted to add well, to that? Well, share what you kind of took Yeah, that's what that. I was going to do. I uh, I noticed one thing, but let me ask you this, Dave. Do you have a, a primary song or a hymn that motivates you, That or are there are a bunch of them? Or? Well, I, I, I know the power of music, Scott, yeah. in our life, and it is a instrument of grace. It can administer the spirit in in our life for sure and yes i i have a few and um jesus the very thought of thee hymn number i think it's 141 um uh, more holiness give me I yeah think i love that one too yeah there's this there's this little section in the hymn book between the 130s and 140s that um just really put me in a, a contrite sweet humble spirit and uh just i really feel connect me through the holy spirit to my to my heavenly father and and uh, those those hymns can really express the desires of my yep, heart they do that for me too i remember and you will too was that we were both growing up uh, once a month on a sunday or a monday we would meet at your house at grandma and grandpa's house as a big family and we do have a big family and 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 the song the hymn there's beauty all around must ring uh, in your heart like it does in mine and bring back some sweet 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 spiritual experiences well scott and nate both and they're unsolicited uh, they didn't i don't think scott was able to listen to nate's it's interesting how these two themes came up early early on for both of them but for nate he said that he remembered a primary song, I Am a Child of God. And he said, and I just kept hearing that over and over. And, you know, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing, obviously. I'm not quoting exactly what he said, but I kept hearing over and over and over that refrain sweetly uh, echoing in my mind that I am a child of God. Well, if I'm a child of God, then there must be something worth living for. And it changed him. Scott's was a child's prayer. Heavenly Father, are you really there? Well, you know, something like that. <laughs> the words were right. The words were right. The tone was way yeah. off. But, but uh, you know, um, hopefully I didn't uh, just chase the spirit away from that one because that was what uh, you know really helped Scott. You know, he wanted to know, Heavenly Father, are you really there? Do you really hear my prayer? And uh, he got confirmation that indeed he did. And, uh, you know, so I guess the message behind that is we get emails, we get questions from people we know. How do we help our children? How do we help our kids? And, you know, sometimes the ways that we're able to help our children, to help those that are younger, that are coming up, and it doesn't have to be primary age, it can be any age, but to, to let them experience the programs and the, the, the spirit that comes through the programs, like primary 
like young men's, young women's, to encourage attendance and participation and not to just be there, but to be there and feel there. Be, feel what you're feeling there. You never know when a little song like I Am a Child of God might totally capitulate a person's trajectory in their life for the better. And so keep that in mind, parents and, uh, and adults, as we're raising our kids, that there's just huge power in those kinds of things. Well, uh, even though neither one of us can really carry a tune, I think it's really important for all of us to use the power of music in our homes, to sing individually, right. to maybe sing in the car, to maybe sing when we're out in the open. Uh, More Holiness Give Me affects me so much because as a young man preparing to go on a mission down where we used to deer hunt, down the Parker Mountain, I went down there all alone and on the top of a mountain with a little pocket hymn book and scriptures in hand, I just belled it out, More Holiness Give Me, and was just flooded by the Spirit in my life to... to to strive to be a better person, I I think uh, we can use that in our homes, in our in our in connection with "Come Follow Me." We should sing maybe once in a while. We should sing in family home evenings with our families. We should play recorded music in our homes, uh, especially on the Sabbath right. and probably every other day uh, of the week. But but Scott, um, when I became a patriarch. And I was an ordained patriarch giving blessings. Um, the music was a powerful part of my preparation to connect with the Spirit and to be able to to give blessings. I it felt as though that um, music would open up the windows of heaven for me in my little office as I listened to some of my favorite my favorite hymns and, and, uh, sacred music. So, um, uh, yeah, I think uh, Nate and, and Scott were, uh, were both examples of that, but we could all do just a little bit better using music as I, I call it an instrument of grace to bring grace and spirit, uh, into our lives and into our homes. Yeah, there's no question. One that stands out to me, and I'll end uh, and transition with this one, but may my soul commune with thee. You know, Deb, my wife, and I, uh, and I both, uh, for whatever reason, uh, that's just kind of been one that when I'm feeling a little disconnected, if I can just even hear the words or the tune of that song in my mind even, it seems to have a recentering effect that brings me right back or, or, or maybe it doesn't bring me completely right back, but it definitely puts me on the tra- trajectory to do so. And I think that there's just huge power. There's so much power in that that, you know, there's a reason. You know, we know that Psalms was the uh, hymn book of, uh, yeah. of of old Israel, right? And, right. and uh, you know, the, and so if they're in Scripture there, they've got to be important to us. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. Hymns, according to... Doctrine and Covenants, section 25, we learn how important they are to the Lord, that they are uh, a hymn, is a, is a prayer of righteousness right. to yep. him. And, and I think there's a connection between listening to inspired music and crying out to God. I, I found that listening to music would prepare me to cry out to God. So um, anyway, uh, some common elements from those two yep. interviews, yep. and I hope that They've blessed the the lives of our listeners the way they've blessed my life. 
And I think they have. I uh, I know that uh, there's. It's just really difficult to not feel an, insp- an inspired, not to feel inspired, not to feel motivated, but mostly not to feel a touch of the spirit uh, communing and testifying to us of the truthfulness of the things that we hear when we hear them, like we did with those two gentlemen. So uh, we want to just again thank Scott. Harmon and Nate Moeller for being with us. We look forward to doing many more in the future. Uh, again, as Dave mentioned, of similar type and maybe even some that are going to be significantly different in nature. We're looking forward to that. Dave, before uh, Scott, our last uh, episode where we really focused on the content of the things that we're talking about, specifically repentance and forgiveness to help us put on the atonement of Jesus Christ, we were talking about we had began our discussion around repentance. And as part of that discussion around repentance, we talked about two things. I think that you 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 say it well. I heard you actually in a pod, another podcast, and we can give that podcast a shout out right now. But uh, another, uh, it's called uh, Leading, Saints. Leading Saints. Leading Saints. Yeah. Uh, find that podcast, Leading Saints. I, I, I don't remember specifically the podcast number that Dave was on, but it was re- released on July 25th or thereabouts. Did a great kind of a summary, uh, a distillation, if you will, of all of the things that we talk about in as part of this podcast and did it all in kind of just one there. It was a great podcast for those of you who are leaders in the church and for those of you who are not. Either way, that uh, program that uh, Brother Frankham has going over there is just a really a great podcast and is something that you should engage in. But Dave, one of the things that as I was listening to you, and I've heard you say this before, you know, as you begin to describe repentance, you say sometimes the best way to describe something and to tell us what it is, is to actually explore what it is not. Because especially when it comes to a concept like repentance, and especially growing up in a culture and in a, in a norm where, you know, we have certain things that have been indelibly imprinted on our minds about what repentance means. And some of that comes from the tradition of our fathers. Some of that comes from the tradition even of their fathers, dating back to Protestant and, you know, the Reformation and even Catholicism and, and how all of those things have come through in terms of attitude, not doctrine, but in terms of attitude um, towards repentance, and it's no wonder that so much of our attitude has been towards repentance in ways that may not just be 100% accurate. And so I think it is a really good exercise, as you mentioned, as you uh, put forth, that we describe what repentance is not. And so we first talked about how repentance is not a checklist, uh, or, or excuse me, first we talked about how repentance is not punishment for sin. Yeah, Scott. I, you know, I learned that uh, that method of first describing what something is not before you describe what it is from Elder Theodore Burton many, many years ago in uh, his training when I was at the Missionary Training Center in the talk that he gave at the BYU many, many years ago. Powerful, powerful general authority. Anyway, I, I have come to really um, witness that, that to really understand what something is, you have to first understand what it's not. And repentance is not punishment, penalty, or payment for sin. I, I, I just, we can't say that strong enough. And Doctrine and Covenants section 19 verse 4, it says basically, 
repent or suffer. So what's the opposite of repenting? Suffering. Suffering. And repentance, in, in repentance, President Kimball said this, I'm, I'm, I'm repeating a little bit what we said in the previous podcast, but re- repentance may include some suffering. But the suffering is not caused by repentance. The suffering is always caused by the sin. And I think that distinction is critical. So that people don't fear repentance, they should be fearing sin. Repentance is the the release of that, getting that out. It's the great analogy in Elder Anderson's book was the individual with cancer. Uh, okay, so if we if we have cancer, spiritual or physical, we may need to go see a doctor. We may need to go to the hospital. There may even need to be be surgery or some consequences. But the pain is not caused by the doctor or the hospital or, or the process of healing. The pain is caused by the cancer or by the sin in the case of repentance. Right. And then we moved into repentance is not simply a checklist. It's not a checklist. Uh, I, I really love how Elder uh, Anderson sweetly recognized that some people need a checklist. Yeah. Uh, and the problem with previous checklists when repentance has been taught is that rely on your Redeemer was never one of the R's that ever got mentioned. They'd give you three R's, five R's, seven R's, eight R's, whatever. Uh, but I love how Elder Anderson in his book gave it individuals who need a checklist, he gave them one, and it's focused in Jesus Christ. And I'd like to just share this. He said, uh, you know, so, some of you may need a checklist, so here's, here's how we might include the Savior's name in the five R's of repentance recognize that what I have done wrong has offended Jesus Christ. Two, feel remorse that my actions have offended God and caused Jesus Christ to suffer and cause suffering to God's children. So I, this, this is an important one. It goes back to kind of the first one, Scott. It's important to know that Christ is the one who suffered for our sins so that we don't have to. Yeah. There, there, there may be suffering in sin, but not in the repentance process because Christ suffered for all of that. Three, resolve to change my behavior, realizing that my own willpower is not enough. Without the help of Jesus Christ, I am powerless to repent. So let me push pause for on you for just a second right there. There's a that my own willpower is not enough. So often, Dave, we believe, and, and I've believed this myself, that I need to do all my willpower, every, and then when I can't anymore, that's when I need to turn to him. Well, this comes, that will come into play, especially when we get into the third, what repentance is not. Uh, so, amen. Yeah. And we'll let's let's expand on that in just a moment. Uh, number four, reform, change, repent, appealing for the grace of Jesus Christ, His mercy and His power to help me never repent the repeat the offense. And number five, make restitution to those I have hurt and offended. Most importantly, to the Savior who suffered the pains of all. In this way, I am repenting. So. Uh, then he says this, which I 
which I love. It's it's critical. There's one more R that brings light to our respective perspective on how to see repentance. Rely on the Redeemer. The five R's come alive when they are centered in Jesus Christ. So if you need a checklist, there you are. But the problem with a checklist, and the reason I like to say that repentance is not a checklist, is because uh, so many times Jesus isn't the center of that. And it's kind of just like, uh, okay, it's a, t- it's a to-do list, and, and we check it all off. We go through it, and we're, we feel good about checking off these boxes. But we get to the end of it, Scott, and we never feel forgiven and then we can't understand why we don't feel forgiven. Yeah. And the reason we don't feel forgiven, or the reason there isn't some permanent change of nature in our life, is because Jesus Christ has never been really a part of it, or uh, let alone the center of it. Yeah, that's right. In, in fact, somewhere in the book, too, and it's in this same chapter, he talks about an experience that Elder Bednar had. Elder Bednar was uh, talking to a bishop at a um, BYU-Idaho. I was going to say Rick's College because that's what it was when I went there, but BYU-Idaho. And uh, he said that uh, he had had a young woman come in there. Do you want to tell it? You can tell it better than I can. No, you you tell it. So he he had a young woman come in to this bishop, and this young woman uh, had, uh, you know, participated in some things that would... cause her to not be temple-worthy, let's put it that way, uh, that very weekend. And uh, as she had visited with her bishop, she, at, at, when it was complete or done, when, she, when the visit was over, it wasn't complete, but when the visit was over, she said something to the effect was, well, that was the last thing on my checklist. My goodness, I feel better. I feel so much better now. I feel now, so geez. much better now. Right, <laughs> yeah. And, and what was, uh, what was, uh, what was, Elder Bednar's response or, or to that day? Well, actually, he was talking to mission presidents, trying to train That's mission presidents on uh, what repentance is and what it's not. And, uh, and, he, and he, in essence, said, repentance is not confession. So there's another thing that yeah. repentance is not. Now, I believe confession is an important, critical part of... Uh, of our repentance but it's the why we do the confession yes, and we'll get to that but it's the why the confession's done that's important not the confession in and of itself and the confession to who exactly you know uh so many people confess their sins to the bishop but never confess their sins to god never cry out to him and they think that going in the bishop's office and crying and dumping all their sins at the feet of the bishop somehow releases them from from all of that and they they feel better about it for a while but there's there's really no long lasting enduring power in in confessing to a priesthood leader uh there's no forgiveness in that uh, confession should be to the lord jesus christ and that forgiveness comes from him so anyway, I, I just think that's a really important distinction for members and priesthood leaders to understand. Yeah, but to be clear, there are things that uh, in order to receive forgiveness from the church, and, and for obvious reasons, for protection of the church and protection of innocent victims, and even in the healing process, I know that, uh, Dave, when I've been through things, uh, there, there needed to be things that uh, were imposed let's put it that there needed to be things that were imposed in order for me to feel 
not for Heavenly Father to feel like he had forgiven me, not but for me to feel like I am back on, uh, there was a process that I needed to take, for example, that would be, put me back on the right track. So we're not saying confession's not important. We're just saying that it may not be, it may not be as important for the reasons we've thought they were. Yeah, it depends on your motives, doesn't 100%. it? hundred yeah. percent. And, and when it comes to that, Scott, really accountability and discipline are really important in the repentance process, and definitely a bishop, a priesthood leader, a parent or a spouse can help with, with those issues of accountability and some discipline and to kind of help an individual. But when it comes to redemption, when it comes to forgiveness, when it comes to a change of nature, yeah, that, that all has to be centered in the Savior and His atonement. Well, it's also important for us to remember that sometimes, not sometimes, our priesthood leaders hold keys, and sometimes those keys can be extremely important in terms of receiving revelation to help us to become closer to Him. And oftentimes that message and those communications can only be available, made available to us through the keys that are held by our priesthood leaders sometimes. And, and those keys of priesthood help protect ordinances. They help protect sacred, holy ordinances. So uh, that's that's why we do that. We'll talk. We can talk more about that too in more detail when we talk about the uh, the role of confession in repentance, which we'll do later on. Well, let's maybe go to the third then. Yep. The third, uh, what repentance is not. Elder Elder Anderson calls these detours. Uh, I called them when I was collaborating with him and trying to assist him in, in writing the book. I, I actually called these myths, the myths of repentance. But he, he thought that was a little strong, maybe too negative. So I love what he, what he titled this chapter, The Detours on the Road to Repentance. Uh, and it's one of my favorite chapters in the book. But the third detour then is... Uh, which will take us away from repentance, which kind of takes us around about way to get there, which is not appropriate, is to believe that repentance changes our behavior. Now, I know... Well, do you mean that repentance is just changing behavior? So I know Elder President uh, Nelson has said repentance is change. Yeah. I know that. I know that repentance leads to a change of behavior. But repentance is not just stopping a behavior, a behavior uh, or a change of behavior. R- repentance is so much more than that, Scott. I mean, atheists can stop and change behaviors. Right. Agnostics right. can... I mean, you don't even have to believe in God to change behavior. It, just by gritting your teeth and willpower, and uh, there's so many ways to change behavior... But it's not redemptive. It's not redemptive. And if faith in Jesus Christ is not part of it, then it's not truly repentance, and it doesn't lead to a change of nature, a change of heart. 
that change of heart and that change of nature is what's changed through repentance. Now, sometimes our behaviors will be affected because of our change of heart and change of nature. So that's what's lacking in those. You said atheists can uh, change behavior. Anybody can change behavior. Even Christians can change behavior. But if it's not done because for the right reason with a heart single to the glory of God, for example, then it's really not even repentance then. Me, as an ordained elder in the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, if I have a behavior that I'm participating in and I stop that behavior, have I repented? Not just because I've stopped that behavior. My heart and my 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 communion, my attitude towards, and especially my covenant-keeping ability needs to be intact through the Spirit in order for that to have, actually have been affected. Correct. It's not just stopping a behavior. So many people think that repentance is to repent of an act or repent of a behavior. Repentance is so much more than that, should be seen to be much more than that. I I mean, there's so many people, Scott, who uh, uh, they they try to stop a behavior and and a, a sin of commission an act or sin of commission, while they continue to commit sins of omission. In other words, they, tr- they try to overcome the, uh, the addiction of pornography while they continue to sin by not saying their prayers, by not reading their scriptures, by not going to church, by not serving, magnifying their callings, and doing other things that they should be doing. Uh, it's It's hypocrisy it's insanity to believe that you can overcome an addiction or a sin if you continue to commit the sins of omission so i think that's one part and i used to always say in my classes when i would teach this that this is really one of the keys uh, to understanding repentance and to carrying it out to enduring in repentance stop repenting of a sin and start to repent of sinning so many people get hung up on a behavior or an act that they did that was wrong instead of seeing their whole life needs to be changed not just a, a overcoming an addiction or stopping a certain behavior their whole life needs to be changed so it's important to, to see repentance that way. I think that uh, because of the fall, right? Because of the fall, we are affected by all of these things in all parts of our lives. And really, repentance is an opportunity for us to negate the effects of the fall in our lives by putting those behind us and turning more fully unto the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, our Redeemer. But in order for to, for us to do that, we can't compartmentalize. I think Elder Uchtdorf called it yes. my favorite sins. We can't hang yes. on to those my favorite sins, whether they be commission or omission type of sins. Or big sins, little sins. Now, I, I know we're all sinners, and I, I will sin today, you'll sin today, we all sin. We're never, we're never completely free from sin. Right. However, in our lives, we need to see all of our life and not become so, uh, uh, what's the word, not so uh, distracted by one sin or so asphyxiated on yeah. one sin. Myopic. 
that that we can't see all the other things that we're missing to do in our life instead of just the things that we need to stop doing. So we need to ask ourselves, what do I need to start doing, not just what things do I need to stop doing? Right. Right. Because it's that start doing that invites and invokes the Spirit in our lives. It's this invocation and the invitation of the Spirit in our lives that allows us to turn away from those things that separate us from Heavenly Father and bring misery and heartache and and dissonance and everything else in our lives that we that we deem uncomfortable because you know really in this life we are just trying to be comfortable we're just trying to move forward with hope and healing and happiness in our lives and in everybody's lives around us where in the the understanding of this repentance process where it is really just putting on the atonement of Jesus Christ by through the administration of the holy spirit that means that it's just an all-out effort in every aspect of our life to be more like Him. Well, and to help to help us all be just a little more focused, laser-focused, right. yep. we need to not just say, what do I need to stop doing or what do I need to start doing? What we need to ask is, in order to have the Holy Ghost administer the atonement of Jesus Christ into my life, what do I need to stop doing? Right. And what do I need to start doing? Right. And really, some of those things we need to start doing is using the instruments of grace that he has already given us, like music, inspired music can help to sanctify us. Uh, prayer, the power of prayer, even in the midst of of the worst sins, the power of prayer can can bless us and strengthen us. The power of the word. Oh my goodness, uh, we we could do a whole nother episode on the power of God's word and how I feel about that. The the healing power of His word. And, um, so we need to start doing the, the kinds of things that will help us to obtain the Spirit of the Lord, who who will then administer the power, blessings, grace, mercy of the atonement of Jesus Christ in our life. That's the third one. Yeah, that's, that's an important one. And, and the fourth one is, is kind of a duh. It's, but it's important. But it really is important yeah, yeah. because uh, what repentance is not, yeah. repentance is not what saves us. Repentance is not the redeeming there's no power in repentance, there, Scott. Yeah, exactly. There's no redemptive power in repentance. The power is in Jesus Christ and his atonement. So so many people just just see that repentance as being the, the thing that saves them, but that's not what saves them. Jesus Christ, the person, our Savior. Redeemer, he's the one that saves us, and repentance is the process of activating uh, his power and the power of of uh, Jesus Christ in our life. And that's why we keep saying on, in this podcast that uh, the atonement doesn't even save us. Right. That the atonement doesn't save us, repentance doesn't save us. If it's not connected to Jesus Christ, then nothing can save us 
All of his suffering can't save us. All of our efforts to repent can't save us. And our suffering. It's Jesus Christ right. who, who redeems us. It's through his atonement, through his blood that we are saved and redeemed. Yeah, repentance just kind of turns the key in the process to allow us to more fully access his power through repentance, through the atonement, through all of those things. And so all of these things are just little keys that, and and by little, they're actually significant, but they are keys in comparison. They're little. They're just keys that we turn to help us move in the process to put on the atonement of Jesus Christ and feel his power in our lives. So many people try to repent over and over and over again of the same sins that they commit over and over and over again, and they wonder why they can't change or where is the power. Well, I believe, Scott, that without exception, the power is found in faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And a person who is repenting over and over and over again does lacks the sufficient faith in the Lord Jesus Christ or lacks the sufficient understanding of who he is, the role he plays in their life, and, and what he did for us in our life. So... I I don't think that there's many exceptions to this, maybe none, that if you are repenting over and over again of the same things, it's because you're you're not you don't understand this one truth. That the power the power behind repentance is our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and that it is it is in him and through him that we we receive uh, redemption, that we receive the power to change and the power to be healed and the power to be forgiven. And I'm going to point our listeners back to episodes 14 and 15, specifically 15, where we speak about the power of faith, when we talk about that the role that that power has in this whole process. So uh, go back to episodes 15. Uh, you can 14, too. We do talk about it a little bit towards the end of that one, but 14 and 15, specifically 15, for more discussion around the power of faith there. Well, so, Scott, we've talked about what repentance is not, and uh, we can begin to talk about more about what it is, and I, I think uh, we'll, we'll spend more time on this than we have time today. But I think one of the things, before again we start into the actual process of repentance, we need to understand what it's not, and we need to understand the conditions of repentance, Scott. That, that is a term, quote, conditions of repentance, that is five times in the Book of Mormon. And uh, I, it, it really captured my attention, and I know Elder Anderson and I had an enlightening discussion about, about that uh, in one of our meetings, and I just think it's really important for us to understand the conditions of repentance and try to... Uh, uh, meet those conditions, try to do what's necessary to receive the power to go through the repentance process. And how does it all begin? How does it start? Well, 
that's called the conditions of repentance. And it begins, I think the conditions of repentance, this is my conclusion, and this is in Elder Anderson's book. Uh, in chapter 15, he calls them the three beloved friends we meet early on the road to repentance. And uh, that is godly sorrow and a broken heart and a contrite spirit. I believe those are the, quote, conditions of repentance that Book of Mormon prophets describe. And I just really think it's important for us to, before we begin, to go through the repentance process, that we uh, reach this point in our life, no matter how small or large the sins that we commit may be, that that we understand uh, the damaging effects of the sins, not only in our life, but in the lives of others, and the pain that Christ suffered because of our sins. I, I know that's what, that's what brings me to a place and helps me to meet the conditions of repentance is that when I understand uh, how it has affected my relationship with God and how Jesus Christ, how much he suffered for me because of my sins, no matter how small or large they are. He bled from every pore that I might be able to return and live with him and live in the presence of our Heavenly Father. You know, one of the things that um, is often misconstrued, and I know I've done this, uh, I think all of us probably have at some point, um, but, you know, we think of repentance sometimes as just being an event, something that we just have to do, something I guess need to get out of the way. I've repented of that. I've repented of that. I've repented of that. Let's talk a little bit about that. What, what about that? It's not an event, Dave. No, it's a, okay, it's, so that's another thing repentance is not. Yeah, we could talk about a lot of things. <laughs> repentance is not besides the the four that are in Elder Anderson's book. Repentance is not an event, right? It should be. It should be an attitude. It should be a way of life. Yeah. It should be an an ongoing process, not just an event, Scott. So I th- I think that's really a great point and a really important perspective that we need to have. Something else, Scott, that repentance is not. That I've been thinking about lately in my own life and the lives of others that I know. I, I had someone recently uh, say to me, uh, a friend who c- c- has some real challenges with sin, is right now outside the church, um, you know, is not a member and is struggling and, and trying to get back back to where he needs to be. But anyway, and I love him and he's a good man. Uh, but he kind of said to me something that just didn't feel right. And he said, well, as long as I'm just repenting every day. And he said it so kind of casually and flippantly that I thought, wow, okay, well, repentance isn't that. Repentance is not just a reset button. Repentance is not something that we can just tell God we're sorry every day and 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 move on and and kind of uh, think that it's like a napkin and we can we can wipe it from our face and and act like nothing happened and, and just just move on. Uh, repentance is not a reset button. 
It, it's, it's so much more than that. It is transformational. It should be transformational in our life. It should, in fact, the prophet Joseph Smith, I love the concept of, of daily repentance, but that should be an attitude that should not just be an event in a, uh, a prayer. Joseph Smith said that re, re, daily repentance should not be casual, that it, it should not be something that we, I think his words were, that we trifle with. Uh, re, repentance can't be casual, and, and it has to be more transformational than I think some of us see it. And and it, and it will be if we center it in Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's not actually real repentance if it's not transformational. I mean, that is that's how we know. That's how we know if we've repented. Transformation comes, even if it's a transformation within, and usually it is. That's how we know. We start. We begin to feel the Spirit. We feel it more fully. We feel it more deeply. We feel guided and directed. We are able and have the ability to hear and to respond to the promptings of the Spirit, where before they may have been confusing, and at the very least, and and maybe. Um, even divisive or push us away from because of our own inability to understand our Heavenly Father's true love for us. Well, transformational, not only in our behavior, yeah, but, but especially in our thoughts. In our attitudes. In our attitudes, in our emotions. Yeah. Uh, how we see things, how we see others, how we see ourselves, how we see our relationships with others and with our, our heavenly uh, parents and Jesus Christ, all of that. It, it has to be completely transformational in how we, how we view the world and ourselves. So, so especially important when it comes to our efforts to become more like him. That's, yeah. that's really important. It's really how we do it. So again, before we uh, spend another episode, which we'll do in the future, on what repentance is, I, I just think it's really important for us to understand what it means to meet the conditions or to fulfill the conditions uh, of repentance, Scott. And uh, that includes uh, getting this uh, broken heart and contrite spirit. There, And that's not comfortable. It's not... Uh, easy and uh, I think that the key to that is to really go back to Doctrine and Covenants section 6 verse 33 look unto me in every thought doubt not fear not behold the wounds which pierced my side and the prints of the nails in my hands and feet in order to really meet the conditions of repentance, Scott, I think we have to go go there. And it's kind of the third Nephi 11, chapter 11, verse 15 experience where he invites us to come and fit, thrust our hand into his side, feel the prints of the nails in his hands and feet that we might know that he's not only the Savior of the world, but that he's our own personal Savior. And when an individual can go to Gethsemane and uh, see Jesus suffering there, bleeding from every pore, laid out on the ground as we've described in earlier episodes, and then follow him uh, 
through the mock, mockery of a trial, see him uh, slapped, see him spit upon, see him scourged, and then go to the cross and stand at the foot of the cross and hear him cry out, My father, my father, where art thou? And to make those statements that he makes from the cross and to feel his love and to witness his sacrifice, that's, for me, Scott, what always brings the attitude of repentance in my life so that my heart is broken and my spirit sufficiently contrite that I have the desire because of my gratitude for this, this, my Savior that I have the desire to cry out to him. When we meet those conditions, the desire and the, uh, the process and the actions, attitudes of repentance just naturally follow. Yeah. I think that, uh, you know, when we talk about broken heart and contrite spirit, there, there are two, uh, two phrases there, broken heart. And I think that, uh, you know, that one's a little easier for most of us to wrap our brains around. But when it comes to contrite spirit, Dave, I think Elder Anderson in his book here just does a fantastic job to helping to make that more clear. At least it helped to make it more clear. And, and as Deb and I teach this each each Wednesday night to, to institute class at BYU for Brigham Young University and University of or Utah Valley University students at a YSA stake, uh, that's one of the things that you know can be a, a question or or something of great discussion. What does it really mean to be have a contrite spirit? In the book, Elder Anderson talks about, and I'm paraphrasing. I'm not going to read it, but he's I'm paraphrasing here. He talks about how having a contrite spirit is really nothing more than the ability for us to to have our heavenly fathers. Uh, have our will swallowed up in our Heavenly Father's will. It's really a just turning our will and our life over to the care of God as we understand Him, which is nothing more than the third step and, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous and the other recovery programs. And so, you know, any kind of transformational change will be that uh, through repentance and even as alcoholics and addicts are overcoming their addictions and so forth, to understand that that contrite spirit, broken heart, we get that. Broken heart means I can't, you know, I'm beat down. My life is a mess. I will never be able to have his spirit in my life without taking some sort of action. And with in the absence of his spirit in my life is the very reason that I experience all of the pain and turmoil and, and all the rotten things that life affords me become because of that. That's broken heart. The contrary spirit is how do I and what do I do and what actions do I take and what actions do I stop taking that will allow my will to be completely swallowed up in his. As soon as my thoughts are his thoughts, as soon as my actions and, and my walking is 100% in accordance with his will for me, then I have come to know him, then I have fully come to him. But in the meantime, that process of allowing that contrition, that contrite spirit to be a well, to be alive and well in my life, I need to be participating actively in making sure that I'm doing the things that allow me to allow my will to be swallowed up in his. Yeah. Amen to that, Scott. Uh, 
we haven't used the word obedience yet, and I I know that Elder Christofferson, in describing broken heart and contrite spirit, talks about it's not only the sorrow for our sins, but it's also a desire to be obedient. Yeah. And to, as you say, have our have our wills to lay our will on the altar of God and to offer our obedience and and our own personal sacrifice to Him, not sacrifice for our sins but sacrificed of obedience. Uh, so I, I agree with what you just shared and look forward to describing in, in a future episode um, in more detail what repentance is. And uh, so I'm thankful, Scott, for this opportunity to, to uh, discuss the process that we call uh, repentance and f- to contemplate the the power and the the essence that of forgiveness and grace and mercy that can flow into our life because of the blood of Jesus Christ and his uh, his gift that we call the atonement that he has offered us and i'm i'm so grateful for these things and grateful for the spirit that i always feel when i can uh, learn and when I can listen to others discuss it and and also for the opportunity the the humble blessing it is to be able to share it with others so thank you to all of you and thank you Scott for sharing this time my sentiments exactly this is a, a a great opportunity I think for all of us to reassess where we are to take a personal inventory and what it's like in my life uh, what am I doing to prevent Heavenly Father Spirit to be in with me what am I not doing that would allow it more or, or what am I not doing that also keeps it away from me so uh, let's let's consider those things this week as we consider what repentance is not we look forward to talking about what repentance is in upcoming podcasts I think you'll find great healing and comfort in that as well. Uh, It's been a great podcast. Thanks for being with us. Remember that uh, always and in all things, he can and will be with you if we are putting on the atonement of Jesus Christ through repentance, through daily turning to him and daily turning away from those things that prevent him in our lives. Thanks for being with us. Remember that he has redeemed you through his blood. We love you. We know he does too. May you feel that always is our prayer. Thanks for being with us.